Welcome to Visa Navigate Samia, a Visa podcast that brings you the latest insights, perspectives, and trends that are defining the world of commerce and payments across Central and Eastern Europe, Middle East, and Africa, Samia for short. Welcome to the new episode of Visa Navigate Conversations. My name is Walter Lironi, and I'm leading our visa consulting and analytics teams for CIMIA, Central and Eastern Europe, Middle East Africa region. Today, we are going to talk about one of the hottest topics in payment, portfolio optimization. Why does it matter? How can it help financial institutions to unlock the full potential of the payment business? These are some of the questions that we are going to answer. We are going to look at some best practices throughout the entire customer lifecycle. We talk about acquisition, activation, engagement, and retention. But the great news is that we are going to be joined by a very special guest, one of the best experts in this field, but that I don't want to introduce right away, though. I want to keep a little bit of suspense. So allow me first to share some of my thoughts and insights related to this topic. Close your eyes for, for a few seconds. And think like you are a customer of a bank. You are on your preferred social platform and a very compelling offer pops up on the screen. You click on that link. One minute later, you are a client of the bank. You are a card digitally issued on your wallet. You start receiving amazing offers that are specifically targeted to the specific need that you have. And this continues for the first few weeks of your engagement with that financial institutions. And magically, that product becomes your top of wallet product. How does it sound? And how close or how far is it from your existing relationship that you have with your own banks? Is this the type of experience you are currently living? Well, probably the answer varies depending on the relationship you have, depending on the bank you're engaged with. What for sure I can tell you is that behind this amazing experience that I try to describe, there is a bank that has really cracked the code of active portfolio management. A bank that is able to deliver at scale and mainly digitally personalized touch points throughout the customer life cycles. And they're able to provide the right offers to the right client in the right moment. And it's not easy. It's not easy to, to achieve that level of performance. Let me give you a couple of examples. So think about customer acquisition. Customer acquisition can be very expensive. Usually it's the most expensive step in portfolio management. And there is huge variability about how banks perform this, this type of activities. This brings different type of cost and different type of quality of clients those banks are able to acquire. For example, in the SME field, we recently did a benchmarking and best practice bank are able to acquire new SME client in one minute through an eight-step process. Average banks requires more than 15 minutes and more than 20 steps. Second very important step is once you have acquired the customer, how good are you in actually activating that customer? And the faster you activate that customer, the shorter will be your time to profitability as a bank. And the sooner the client will put the product top of their wallet. Somebody might say, oh, well, well, that activity depends a lot on the market where you're in. If you are a more developed country with better technology available, it would be easier to activate customer. That's true. 
But so that's why we looked at the different market in Simia individually. And within each market, we said, hey, how is the performance of different banks? Is it similar? Is it comparable? And the answer is no. To give you an example, in the majority of our markets, the best practice banks achieve activation rates that are three times the market average. That means that if you are an average bank in that market, you are leaving millions of dollars of revenue on the table. I could keep talking about this topic for hours. As you might see, I'm very passionate about it, but let me stop here and let me now introduce our distinguished guest. So I'm really pleased to be joined today by Deepak Chandran, Group Head of Retail Products at Emirates MBD. Of course, Emirates MBD is a bank that does not require any, any introduction of being one of the major uh, banks in the region. Welcome, Deepak. Thank you, Walter. Hello. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much, Deepak. I will call you DC, if you don't mind. That is my preferred way. Every time we talk, I call you DC. So, DC, you, of course, you are a seasoned car business professional. You, you manage Emirates MBD retail products, and you have been one of the founders of the payment business for Emirates MBD. You've been with the bank for more than 15 years. And what is very interesting for this conversation is that in one of your previous roles, you were actually leading the customer lifecycle management function within the bank. So again, welcome. And I think uh, our listener will be very excited to hear more about the MLSMD experience and about your own personal experience within the bank. So I have a few questions for you. Um, but let's start with, it, with, uh, with a simple one. Then we'll go into the difficult one deeper. So how important is payments for MLSMD? Can you share some light? Thank you, Walter. I just wanted to give up first a context of who we are. I think we are, we are a bank headquartered in the UAE, like you mentioned, but we are present in over 13 countries. We serve almost 17 million customers. And to answer your question, Walter, I think cards is a very important category, especially for, for us in the UAE, not just from an acquisition of new customer perspective, but I think it's seen as a key to engaging customers because obviously it's a product that customers take out every day, probably many times a day, and hence becomes a very important part of generating revenues for the bank as well. Over the years, I think we've strengthened our capabilities in cards and payments and can probably say we have a very strong market share of close to 25% across credit and debit cards today in the market. Cards will continue to be an important engine for growth for most retail banks in the developing part of the world, Walter. Thank you, DC. And you just mentioned the, the importance of cards for the bank. And if you think a little bit about portfolio management, what do you see as the key priorities, right? What is the bank doing right, to maximize the value of your portfolio? Before we step into what we are doing, I think portfolio management is not a point in time. I think people should understand that it's a continuous part of your journey as long as you run the business. And it's not just for cards. Right? I think portfolio management is important for any part of the retail bank that you operate in. And I think for us, portfolio management starts well before we get the customer, right from defining our acquisition strategy and product strategy, right? I think that becomes very critical because we should know how to target, get the customers in. And over a period of time with, with all the technology development, how do we deliver the decisioning of a card being approved really quickly to the customer? Because all these make an impact, right? I think the first impression of a bank is when you're interacting with the sales agent, when you're applying for a product, right? So having the st strong benefits on the product, having a fairly simple way of 
applying for a product and then assigning the right limit to the customer is probably the first stage in the journey. I think then you get into active management of the portfolio, right? I think you have to ensure as a second stage, customers actively engages with your card. So you have to give them the right set of offers from time to time. Have a team looking at ensuring customers are actually activating and using their cards. Uh, continuously looking at whether customers are holding the right cards, right? Because a lot of times you may not be aware of the entire product suite when you when you join the bank. But I think as as the bank sees your transactions, they're able to gauge what is probably the right cards for you. And it's also important to continuously keep assessing the customer's credit worthiness to ensure we're able to also continuously adjust the credit limit, right? That gives the spending power to the customer, right? That's the second phase. Third, I think is how do you make yourself relevant on a daily basis, right? And, and that's critical, right? Customers should know that whenever they have to make a payment, it's your card that they need to pull out of the wallet or click on the phone, right? It's, it's I think most customers now use their phones for payment. So how do we... One, ensure it works all the time. How do we ensure we're able to explain to the customer how easy it is to do e-commerce and digital transactions and keep the customer engaged through value-added offers, working with a lot of our merchant partners across various categories, right? And giving that comfort to the customer that the shopping experience is very secure, right? I think that's important. I think a lot of people, I think it's, it's much better today, but if you go back eight, nine years ago, a lot of people are very wary of using their cards on e-commerce, right? Because they thought it's going to get misused. So I think that's important. And this leads to the last part is, I think, given our experience over the last many years and, and using analytics is is very, very critical, right? Is, is to have a proper framework for ensuring you're running this engine pretty well, right? Because it starts with acquisition, but through the entire life cycle, we need to be able to measure, monitor, interact, intervene, right? With the offers. So we have a, fairly strong, robust framework in-house with our internal analytics team where we have a, a framework of, of next best action where we know which product, through which channel, at which point in time we need to try and target the customer. And more importantly, over the last couple of years, we've also had a great experience working with your teams, right, on, on building the center of excellence in analytics. So that has helped us now get the international perspective in, right, given your global reach and, and experience, we've now managed to get a lot of best practices from various markets of yours. And we're trying to now imbibe that into our portfolio management journey. I hope that answers your question. Oh, amazing. By the way, you touched on something that is extremely important on the portfolio manager front. It is the how to use the data, right? How to properly leverage different type of data for the different uh, objectives that you're trying to achieve during the life cycle of a client, right? And uh, you, you also referred to the work that we have been doing together with the Center of Excellence. So thank you so much for that. In, if you have any suggestion for all other banks, right, that have embarked in these data transformation programs, right, what would be your suggestion specifically on how to use data properly in, for, for a portfolio manager? purposes? I think very important, I think, and I, and I think I've personally gone through the the struggles in the early days where, where data was not well organized, was available in multiple parts of the organization. I think it's extremely important that A, understanding where the data lies, getting that centralized in some form into a, into a data mart or a data lake in, in, in the organization, and then using that data to create enriched 
customer information, right? Because a lot of the customer segmentation, et cetera, become easy if you have a lot more data so that you're able to make various cuts into the data that you hold. So I think it's extremely critical. And also, I think as you build the data, it's important on, depending on the stage of the organization, what is important, right? For a lot of organizations, getting the right customer in is important. So you should definitely have the data of what you're onboarding. But for some organizations that are mature, it's all about engagement, retention. So then you need to have data with regards to customer. How do they come in to cancel their card? Or if the customer is slowing down spends, how do you monitor that slowing down of spends? Or over the last four or five years, the frenzy around contactless e-commerce and digital, right? Where you know that if a customer is digitally engaged, it's more profitable. So then you should have all those touch points to figure out and the data points to figure out are customers actually interacting through those channels and how do we engage them and obviously nudge the customer to start behaving in the way which which will lead to the profitable growth, right? So I think data is extremely critical. I think customer footprint at various points is, is, is extremely key. I think that's from an internal perspective, right? And I think it's more about what we've seen as value, and this is why I'm putting this as an example, is, is also, I think the transaction data is so rich, right? The payment cards typically help us get. So I think working with you, working with the data that we have from VisaNet, and then combining that with our side of the customer data, I think it's a one plus one is equal to three there, right? Because you're, you're taking your data, getting external power of data, and then putting the whole thing together. I think it's it's extremely important, I think, from a, from a data perspective. And I think it's also important to keep looking at new areas, right? Because data is not static again. Data also keeps emerging, not just from, from the association perspective of, of data getting enhanced on the authorization messages. Maybe there are alternate uh, data that we can get from our merchant partners. There are alternate data we can get from other parts of the bank the customer interacts with. So it's always important to also keep looking out for data and then having a, a team that can manage that well and also ensuring that the health of the data is, is clean. I know it's a, it's a long-winded answer, but I, I hope this sets the context for how important data is. Yeah, it is a great answer. And by the way, while I was listening to you, uh, it became more and more clear to me the importance of having the right capability in your own team, right, to manage this complexity. Because you talked about data, you talked about uh, the life cycle, you talked about product value position, having an external or an internal view. So it's really making sure you hire the right talent and you keep developing those talent and you develop new skills within the existing talent is something extremely important. And I know that we have been working together as well, right? We've been helping you with some of our capability that lay in our Visa University asset, right? You have been leveraging some of those and you have been investing a lot in your own capability. Would you like just to share a little bit how you have been able to build such a strong team? I think two parts, Walter. I think there's no better teacher than than learning on the role, right? I think you make mistakes, you try new things, you fall sometimes, you succeed sometimes. I think there's no better teacher than learning on the job. So I think one thing we encourage a lot is one, learning on the job and B, rotating in a logical time frame, right? every two to three years so that people see different parts of the business. I think the great value we've seen from Visa University is how we can use the programs, again, depending on the on the nature of the programs across our different levels of people to actually make them learn and develop on some of the standard methodologies that 
you talk through in those training programs, right? I think you have profitability management labs, you have payment management labs. You even do a payment challenge game, I think, annually, which is run across banks, right? Where you can form teams and work in a fictitious market, right? So I think the the value of of formal training is is never undervalued. I think we believe in investing in training. And I think it's it's also a key KPA for, for me and the team to ensure that we actually do this year on year. So obviously on the job, job rotation is one key aspect. Formal training, including classroom, real life simulations, I think is equally important. And I think Visa University has been a great, great source of learning for the team over the past many years. Fantastic. Thank you so much. So let me very close with a couple of quick questions, or let's debunk some of those portfolio manager myths that are always around, right? So we ask you a quick question, you need to answer two or false. So number one, portfolio optimization is always about maximizing revenues. True or false? Mostly true, Walter. And I, the reason I say is at the end of the day, I think all of us are in the business to maximize revenues. But I guess the nature of revenues could depend on the life cycle action that you're doing, right? For example, if you're doing a retention action, it's not maximizing revenue, but you're protecting your revenue there. If you're investing in building customer behavior on digital e-commerce, it may not be revenue today, but you're trying to build future revenues. And if you're doing a, say, during a COVID or during economic cycles, when we have credit stress, when we try and optimize lines for, for customers, you're actually trying to ensure you're not getting negative revenues in the form of customer write-offs, right? So I think at all points, it is mostly around the revenue metric. And it just depends on which part of the life cycle you're, you're acting on. Yeah. Second, true and false. So all this hype around customer segmentation is actually justified. True or false? Again, I will say mostly true. And then I'll say why I'm, I'm saying that, right? I think there's a lot of discussion around hyper-personalization and segment of one. Not saying it doesn't work, but it's it's not easy to get there. And I have not seen too many organizations get to that size of one in segmentation. But segmentation definitely, I mean, if you look at our customer base, which is a million plus, it's not one size fits all, right? We need to have a logical way of targeting the customer, right? It could be through the kind of products they hold. It could be through the behavioral analytics that you do around their their spend patterns. It could be what kind of merchants they're using it at. It could be simple demographic information of nationality and income. Definitely segmentation is important because it gives you a logical way to to target and talk to your customers rather than just spreading yourself very wide and not knowing whether it's actually working or not. And it also gives you a better way to measure, right? If you're able to segment and target, you also have a better way to measure to see whether you've been effective or not and then change your portfolio strategy. So definitely, I think customer segmentation is justified mostly. Okay, last one. The best way to attract customer is to have a comprehensive set of benefits on cards. True or false? Rather than saying true or false, I'll probably restate it, right? The best way to attract customers is to have an optimum set of benefits on the card. And, and the reason I say that is it's important to have a great set of benefits. It may not be the best at all points in time. But having a good set of benefits to get the customers in combined with active customer management and providing the best operations and, and service to the customer, I think that is key to winning in this space. So it's it's definitely a good set of benefits, may not be the best always. I I agree with you 100%. Sometimes I've seen many, many banks only focusing on benefits and forgetting all the 
additional operations that you need to build around those benefits to really engage with customer. And to, by the way, offer those benefits at the right moment to the right customer, right? Instead of offering benefits that sometimes are irrelevant to the needs of the customer. So you see, this has been extremely insightful. Thank you so much for sharing such an impressive set of examples of best-in-class portfolio management practices. And your experience, MSMD experience, is a true testament of how organization can really step up the game and achieve the best practices that we have presented together. So I would like now to wrap up this podcast with a, a very simple closure, right? So I just would like to share in few words how can VCA, Visa Consultant Analytics, can actually help you as a potential client, right, in improving on the on portfolio management. So there are many things we can do as an organization. Let me try to summarize them in three buckets, right? So category one, we do a lot of advisory services, right? We advise banks and other players across the life cycle on what those players can do to improve value proposition, to improve targeting, to improve activation strategies, to improve uh, retention strategies, and I could continue for hours. So the overall strategic component is a key element of what we do as, as we say. That's bucket number one. Bucket number two for me is really about harnessing the power of data. So we help our client, first of all, in making sure they have the right data infrastructure in place, they have the right data governance, and they have the right analytical capabilities in their own premises. On top of this, we actually build models with our clients, either using VisaNet data, combining our data with our clients' data, and we all use different machine learning techniques, and we try to focus on what is the most important gap or the most important opportunity that our client has. This could be model to increase acquisition, model to increase engagement or to increase retention, just to give a few examples. That's category two. Finally, category three is really what I consider in my mind the most important things. It is helping our client on the actual execution. So making sure that whatever we have designed together translate into impact. These are the services we provide within the managed service category. And we help our client execute in multiple ways. Let me just share a couple of, of those. One is um, for some of our clients that have specific need, we provide our own platform that our client can actually use to improve their own performance. For example, just to mention one, we have a very interesting portfolio management platform. So for those clients that are not very sophisticated in portfolio management, instead of letting them invest money for multi-year developments, we can actually provide a platform. We can either operate the platform on their own behalf, or we can, we can just let the client operate on the platform. And by doing this, we really shorten their time to market. And those clients can really optimize portfolio managing in a, in a short amount of time. The second example of managed service is really related to what VC covered as well, that is building capabilities. We are more and more developing different ways of embedding new capabilities within the clients by leveraging our Visa University, but we're also building different type of, of programs. So though our programs are either standardized programs for specific set of skills, or we do specific customized capability building program for the specific need of the different clients. 
So let me stop there. Otherwise, this is very, I'm very passionate about this topic. I could spend again hours. But in summary, we have quite in two ways strategies, data, and managed services. Thank you again, DC, for, for joining our session. And I hope this, the topic we covered were interesting for our audience. We do believe portfolio management offers tremendous opportunity for improvement for multiple clients. And we really look forward to engage with you more in the future. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, DC. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Visa Navigate Samia podcast. We'll be back soon with yet another exciting episode. Until then, don't forget to follow the show and tell us what you think by leaving us a rating or your comments. You can also subscribe to our newsletter by visiting navigate.visa.com forward slash Samia.